Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome everyone to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson. So let's meet my guest today. Cyrix is a mom of twins who are now 18 and heading to university, which she is very excited about. She's a welder and fabricator and sole proprietor of Well Done Plus, making art and commission pieces using ver- various materials more than metal. She's also an avid gamer and live streams her video games to Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook gaming every Monday. So if you are into that, then she is one to watch. Fabulous. Cyrix, welcome to the podcast. So Thank happy you. to have you. Oh. I am very excited. I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Since I met you, I was absolutely captivated by what you do, how you do it, and more importantly, why you do it. And I wanted to have you here to share your story because I am inspired by how you are living life on your own terms. Um, And there's a lot of shoulds out there for women in general and for women in your industry and for women who love what you love. And I would love to shine a light on how empowering it is to say yes to yourself and what you've created as a result. So thank you for being here today. Of course. So we have chatted a few times. We've talked a little bit about your journey, what brought you to this place where now you are a sort of multi-business entrepreneur doing a variety of things and really living life, like I said, on your own terms. Um, and I do know that that was not the original plan. Like you didn't come out of high school going, there it is, this is what I'm doing. And, and then you ran with it, that there were some twists and turns and bumps, if you will. So let us in on what sort of transpired for you in your story that got you to this place where now you are, like I said, very empowered saying yes to you and like under no circumstance does the opinions of others fucking matter. So, which I I just absolutely love. So let us in on what brought you here. Um, (laughs) I I don't know where you start talking about, you know, like coming out of high school knowing what you were going to do and stuff. And I don't, I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, my kids seem to know, but I definitely didn't know. <laughs> they, they have a very, very, very good, you know, view of what they want. And, and, and that's great. I wish I had that that early. <laughs> um, uh, well, I got pregnant in high school, so that kind of fucked things up. <laughs> <laughs> New plan, plan. Z. I didn't have I didn't have a plan. I really didn't. My plan was to my plan was to graduate. That was my biggest plan. And um I did. I did do it, but it took a little bit longer. Like I got pregnant when I was 18. So it was like almost done already. Mm-hmm. And um I was actually doing an extra kind of year because I had basically failed most of grade 10 classes. <laughs> 
So I was kind of catching up throughout grade 11 and grade 12, and I still had a couple of extra credits I needed to get in my last year. Mm -hmm. And so when I found out I was pregnant, um, like I said, my at the time in high school, my goal was just to graduate because there was nobody in my family that had. I would have, I was the first in both sides, like my father's side and my mother's side, as, long, as, long, as far as I know, if, you know, if my parents ever graduated it was definitely like way later on in their lives I don't think they did on time by any means okay. technically neither did I but close enough for my <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we went to uh we, I, I got pregnant and I my like I said my goal was just to graduate and um with a lot of help mind you I did graduate because um my last I crammed everything into the second last semester of school because I was due in like March or something, I think. And um, that would have been like partway through the last semester. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, you know, have that semester off basically. <laughs> right. Go have children. Yes. Because I was pregnant with twins, not just a kid, but two kids. <laughs> um, and then they decided to come early. So, you know, that's what twins do. And um, the crappy thing about that was like, cause like I was so prepared to take that last semester off that when they came early, it was just like, oh, another thing, you know, <laughs> everything doesn't want me to graduate. So yeah, I uh, just uh, ended up having them on exam week of the last, of my last semester. And <clears throat> they, uh, the school just said, you know what, don't worry about it. Just, we're just going to keep your marks from before. <laughs> That was nice. I, yeah, at first they thought I was just skipping out on exams. And then um, after a couple of days, I had I called the school and I was like, by the way, I'm like in the hospital right now um, because I, st I, I had a C-section. And at that time, they actually kept you for more than 24 hours. And <laughs> so I was there for four days. Uh, it was also a weekend, too. So that probably added a little bit of extra time. Um, and then uh, I, I was released, but the kids were, they kept the kids for like a month. So, oh, wow. yeah. So after that, I was like, yeah, I called the school while I was still in the hospital when I was, you know, uh, uh, finally coming down off all the drugs they give you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I called the school. They said, no, don't worry about it. You're fine. The only thing is that like one of your courses, you're not doing that great in. So you could really use the extra marks. So we're going to talk to that teacher. It was an English course and it was only because it was first thing in the morning. I was like never there because morning sickness. <laughs> And so he just said, you know, write an essay on whatever. I don't even remember what it was. He said, write an essay and I'll mark it and add it. And, and then I was fine. So I graduated, I, like I said, a little bit late, but it worked. And I was very happy to be able to, you know, say that I graduated because that was my biggest goal at the time. And then I didn't have any goals for a long time. I was just being a stay at home mom, you know? <laughs> And then I started going back to work and stuff and just kind of worked dead end type jobs, you know, like retail and things like that. So just kind of did that for a while. <clears throat> what led you into welding? Um, well, after the kids were starting, um, I think, I think they were starting school. I want to say they might've been starting school, I guess, maybe when they were four or whatever. And, uh, I started, or maybe they were going to start school that year or something. And I was just 
basically kind of brainstorming out loud to my husband I said like why what what should I do and he was like what do you mean and I'm like well the kids are going to go to school like I don't need to stay at home anymore (laughs) (laughs) you know like I I should probably do something and and what would be a good thing to do I mean I want to make some good money what's what would make good money (laughs) and uh he's like well I mean it's not just about money but you know you kind of have to be good at whatever you're doing and I was like yeah okay and he's like so like what types of things are you good at and at that time you know I was like early 20s and I'm like I don't know what am I good at <laughs> uh, and he was like well what were you good at in high school like is there any subjects that you like excelled in or you know and just like I said brainstorming out loud and and I thought about it and I was like I don't know English <laughs> um and then I was like you know actually I remember I was the high school, the first high school that I went to, because I actually went to high school here and where I live now. Um, but before that, I had gone to a different high school um, before I like left my parents' house and moved out because I was 17 when that happened. Um, and then I came to this town. So I um, went to school there, but it was a lot smaller. So they didn't have like multiple shop classes. Um, they just had one shop class. So it was just a generalized shop. And during the the course of the semester, you would learn like, you know, a a week or a couple of weeks on like wood shop and another couple of weeks on like auto shop and another week, couple of weeks on Comtech. And they just kind of cover a little bit of all the bases. And then you would just get like a, a general shop credit for that. And I took shop that year. And I think I took I think I took two in the same year. I took a like, you know, a grade nine and a grade 10 or something. Mm -hmm. And so I was in shop like all morning and it was good because I kind of got like, not just extra time because I had two courses, but like the teacher seemed more invested to what I was doing because I didn't have to stop what I was doing. I just keep going, you know? So eventually we got into welding and it was just uh, stick welding, which a lot of people commonly call arc welding. And to clarify, every welding is arc welding, but a lot of people call arc welding stick welding. It's really stick welding. Okay. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it was just stick welding, nothing special. And um, I remember the teacher saying that it was the best T-weld in the class. They tried to, they couldn't break it. Cause that's what they do to test welds essentially is they try and break it. <laughs> cool. That's, that's how they test how strong it is. And even in like later on in life, when I went to college and stuff, that's kind of what they do. They do a bend test. It's called in, in college when they are when you're getting certified for welding. And to, if you, if it breaks, you fail. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Last yeah. test. Yeah. <laughs> So did you find like you, so you make your brainstorming, you land on welding and, and obviously you went to college for that. Did you find a love for it? I mean, obviously you felt like you were good at it, but was there some, because I know what you're doing now, like it's because you're not just good at it, but you enjoy it and you're taking it to another level. It isn't, and there's no bad job in relation to, to what you do, but you really made it your own. Um, so when would you say that that started to transpire where you were like, you know, this is all great and I have this skill, but I kind of want to do this with it. What was, what was that like? 
Well, initially, I just took like an intro course at the college. I didn't go like full on. I was just like, okay, well, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I, I should just maybe just do an intro course. And then after that, that's when I was like, yeah, I, I like this. And the teacher was great. And, you know, uh, he was really, really helpful. He said that, you know, he really liked seeing women doing this job because women pay more attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, generally he found any woman who had done the course had, you know, succeeded very well because generally we do the job better than guys. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, um, after I was done college, I worked all sorts of places. I needed experience. Everywhere wants experience. And so I signed up with a temp agency and I worked all sorts of different jobs. Some of them weren't even welding, but I needed a job. And um, I did all sorts of different welding things to, you know, fill up my resume essentially and uh, get a bunch of experience doing all sorts of different things, which worked to my benefit that's what I wanted so I did that and then um, the last job I was working at I was in Barrie and a lot of the jobs were in Barrie the temp agencies were in Barrie and from where I live now as you know because you live here it's like a 40 minute drive on a good day <laughs> and I didn't want the commute like it was so terrible you couldn't find jobs in this area because all the shops here were um sexist <laughs> it, they were too old-fashioned you know when it came to a temp agency essentially if somebody walked in the door and they didn't like them they don't usually just turn them away they're like whatever work for the day i'll call the temp agency later and, and you don't come back you know they never they don't fire you they don't let you go you deal with the temp agency you're paid by the temp agency everything goes through the temp agency you, you just go where they tell you to go right so you know but after working for a day, a lot of the time they would keep me. I wouldn't, they wouldn't send me away, you know? <laughs> um, it is one of two things walking into a shop full of guys. One of two things happens. They go, the guys look at you and go right on. <laughs> um, because they know that we, uh, you know, we're there to do the job. We're not there to be a girl, you know? And, um, or the other thing is, oh, mm -hmm. you know, that's the, that's the sound they make <laughs> um, because they expect that we're there to be a girl. <laughs> so usually you change their minds fairly quickly. So I did years of that. And then eventually when I was, I actually got a job that wasn't through the temp agency. It was through a different temp agency, but not through them. They had basically whispered to me and said, hey, this place is hiring. Um, don't, you know, say our name, but go apply. <laughs> <laughs> so I got hired an actual like full-time position and it was not even welding. It was, they called it welding, but it wasn't. They call <laughs> it, they call it resistance welding. And what it is, this is a machine that goes like this and it clamps down. So I guess, you know, this is an audio thing, so you can see this, but they can't. So <laughs> I'm pressing my hands together in fists so that, you know, like it looks like a clamp and I'm clamping. Yeah. And so what they do is they, the, there's, the, uh, uh, what's it called? A current that goes through that. It's all metal. And so when it clamps down, it, you know, and it creates 
kind of a little weld. It's like the two, the material that you're using welds to the other material that you're using, the two pieces that are being clamped together. So it kind of welds it, but it's very, very minimal. So a lot of time you have to, it's almost like sewing where it's where you have to keep doing it in a, in a line to make it stay together. And it was the silliest thing. And they're like, oh, you're a welder, great. And, and then they put me on that and I was like, uh, okay. So I did the job. I mean, it was money, whatever. And then eventually um, there were layoffs and I knew I was the last one hired. I had been there for months and months and months, but I didn't, I, I was think even almost a year, I think I was there. And, but I knew that nobody had come in after me. <laughs> so when they had the meeting about things slowing down after the meeting, everybody left and I walked up to the guy and I said, so I was the last person hired, right? And he kind of just looks at me like he, he knows where this is going. And I was like, so I'm the first to go, right? Like there's no seniority by what I do. It's gotta be, you know, I was the last one hired. So I'm the first one to go. And he goes, yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, we'll give you time. I'm sure you can find something else. And I was like, do you mind? Like, can I just leave today? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay. And I walked straight into the EI office. I didn't go home. I didn't go like, I literally just went straight into EI and I took my EI and I never applied for EI in my life. So the people there were very helpful and they did that. And then while I was on EI, I found out a program called the Self-Employment Benefit Program or the Ontario Self-Employment Benefit Program. And it is a program designed to help people with a steady income while they start a business because they found with research that like businesses, if they make it past the first year, that's the hardest part is making it past the first year that if they make it past the first year that it was a higher chance of succeeding and staying in business. Mm -hmm. So they would give you a living wage essentially for that year. So you can focus on working your business full time because a lot of people, when they start a business like that, they do it on the side because they need to still make an income and they're not giving it they're all when they, you know, because they have to work 40 hours a week somewhere else. Um, so it worked out really well for me. And I, I did that and graduated the program. And then uh, after that was over, I was like, uh, well, they're supposed to teach you a bunch of things, which they did too. I guess I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but so they, they make you do a business plan and like apply for a loan and, you know, to start your business and, um, there was like in-class things. So the first bit was all like in-class and then it's like, you know, you, you make a business name, you make it, you know, all this stuff to do with starting a business. And then they teach you like how to do cash flows and all that stuff too, and try to handle your books and everything. And then after you actually opened your doors to your business, you would have to go in, I think once a month or something and do like an in-class thing. Sometimes they'd have like a speaker come in and tell you whatever the speaker speaks about. <laughs> um, usually it's a, another, you know, entrepreneur um, and obviously would have some sort of information 
that would help you and your business. Um, it's hard for me to remember all of that because it was like, well, the, a long time ago. That was yeah. Like, <laughs> it was a full year. Oh, that's a, that is a long time ago. So that it was a full year program, correct? Mm -hmm. And um, I love that that existed and maybe something I could have looked into. But anyway, that's another story. Um, yeah. What? So do you gained a lot of learning from that. You launched your business. What specifically did? So it was a like you became an independent welder. What, what is that how that works? Um, yeah, well, you, you decide what type of business you're going to open is a sole proprietor, a partnership with somebody or, you know, like there are different types of businesses that yeah. you can have. So, um, you know, I chose sole proprietor and have anybody to share a business with uh, or anything. And um, I, I wanted, I wanted to do more of the stuff that I was doing now, but I was forced kind of to do a lot of other things that I didn't really want to do because, you know, I needed to make money. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you have a skill that a, a different people view in a different way, right? Oh, you can do this and you can do this and you can do this. What is it that you truly wanted to do? Um, like metal art things, decor and creating one of a kind pieces that aren't pieces people take for granted like initially the first welding shop that I ever worked at it was actually while I was in the pro while I was in a actually no it was a different program <laughs> no it was a totally different program I was in a youth program a long time ago too and I had worked in the welding shop and it was while I was in college actually and they the guy there um he did a lot of railings that was like the thing that people came for that was the biggest Thing. And he always like me, he liked to do the more artistic type things, but you know, railings paid the bills. <laughs> right. um, so I learned how to do railings, obviously. Um, and then, you know, that's what people wanted from me. But um, what was the question again? The, what is it that you wanted to be creating? What did you want? So you wanted to be doing unique decor, metal art right railings i was trying to say railings were are things people take it for granted people don't look at that and go oh that's pretty right no they walk by it they put their hand on it and they don't actually ever look at it right. <laughs> right. so it would you say that the the one thing that you were looking for or you're probably looking for a lot of things but something <laughs> that you were looking for was this opportunity to create something that someone would look at it and be able to see what went into it and mm -hmm. um, i mean i i know and my very little knowledge, like welding is everywhere. Like you can't like live oh, yeah. a day without having I experienced people, it. Yeah. When I tell people I'm a welder, I'm like, oh, if you ever need any welding, let me know. And people are like, oh no, I, I won't need welding ever. <laughs> and I, and I laugh because it's like, okay, sure. Well, yeah. I'm sure you're going to want me to fix a table or something. <laughs> right. right. And, and even just the things that we purchase and don't think too much about and go, we don't think how that was manufactured mm -hmm. or you know, the operating system inside the thing we're using, it like it's got a thousand welds on it, like whatever, it could be small, it could be massive. Um, anyway, I think that that it's, it's one of those, um, like it's behind the scenes, but it's still right in front of your face. So I think it's, that's fascinating. So you have, I mean, I can appreciate, you know, you're in a position where you have a skill, you're going to have to do a job, multiple jobs and finding the work because that's what we do. You know, we have to sustain ourselves. And there's this passion, this drive to create something that 
is lighting you up. But I also know that in through all of this, that there are other things that you were dealing with and that you now at this stage in your life are a, a strong advocate for mental health and mental health awareness. And, um, and so walk me through a little bit some of the struggles that you were facing while trying to make your way through the world. And, and really, I mean, you have babies at home um, and trying to unleash a passion that the world isn't really kind of open to or ready for. Um, but at the same time, you were dealing with other things. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, the kids were little. They were in school, but they were still little. And um, I was married and uh, it didn't work out. So that was a thing. I'm sure everybody can relate to breakups. It happens. <laughs> um, so we broke up during that time in my like early early 20s early to mid 20s and then i you know became a single mom which was also very difficult when i was trying to work in a field that didn't want me <laughs> because you know it was it was it was very difficult to find a job and that's why i worked a lot of those temp jobs were not just for re you know get experience on the resume it was I needed money <laughs> you know I I now am a single mom and you know don't have somebody to support me or back me up if I fail <laughs> I needed to bring home a paycheck so essentially that's why I said you know when I worked for the temp agency it wasn't always welding like I would take any job because I needed a job I couldn't I never knew where my next paycheck was coming from. I never, you know, some jobs would be a contract of, you know, two weeks, four weeks, a month, you know, two couple months. Some would be six months. Um, but like once that was over, I didn't know where the next job would come from. I would just hope that the temp agency would have another job for me to do. <laughs> right. right. You know? And so yeah, it was it was difficult to do like, you know, something where the world is telling you no at the same time as learning how to live without, you know, my spouse um, and learning how to be a single parent. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, my, my brain is like, oh, how did she do this? How did she do that? The, <laughs> so when did you find, when did you feel like you started to find your way? Um, was it, you know, the kids are getting older, um, did, was there a point in your working life where you sort of were able to break free and break yourself away from, um, th the industry that maybe didn't want you yet you found your place in it all the same. So what was that experience like of sort of stepping into your own and being like, okay, I get it. This is, this is the way that this is fine. And this is how I'm going to work it and make my life what I want it to be. When did that happen? And what was that like? That was the point where I got laid off from the company there in Barrie and, um, and I applied for EI. And I basically, once I got that, fi finally got my EI, because, you know, it takes time for them to like go through it, approve it, give you actual money. <laughs> um, then I felt like I could finally relax because up until that point, I was just go, 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 go. 
you know, there was a point where I held three jobs at the same time. You know, one job where I'd work 40 hours a week, another job where I work maybe 10 hours a week in the evenings, and another job where I'd work all weekend. <laughs> um, you know, so it was go, 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 go all the time. And at that point, it was just a really kind of relief and relax. So I took the time to spend with the kids. Um, and then and then I finally started thinking, okay, what do I want to do? And then I found, that's when I found the SEV program and I went into that program. And I also was um, fortunate enough to have, for lack of a better word, a live-in nanny that was free. <laughs> so a friend of mine came to live with me because they didn't have anywhere else to go. And um it worked out well, so I worked business stuff while they stayed, you know, at home and watched the kids when I needed to, so wasn't paying for daycare mm. um, on top of, you know, making the income from an SCB program and starting to really figure out what I wanted to do with this career that I had started. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, that was 10 years ago. And now your business has evolved and you have taken on some other endeavors. So tell me a little bit about where you have landed with the welding business and what you are doing with that now and the other stuff that you are spending your time on and how, um, although they are different, but how they um, align with how you want to show up in the world and how it for you, it feels like, yes, this is exactly what, this is how I'm living my life. And although it may not look like the next person or the next person, it's totally working for me. So tell us about what's going on in the welding business, all the fun stuff that you're doing online and, um, and how you're making that work for you. Um, way too many questions at once. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to roll back on a couple of those because I'm going to go, what was we talking about? So t again? Tell me about what's going on in the welding business for you now. Okay. So, um, I generally am open in the summertime because my garage doesn't have any heat. I do smaller projects sometimes over winter. Um, because if I spend too long out there, regardless of how much heat you try and put in a garage, with metal, the metal still stays cold. <laughs> so it's only so long that, you know, I can only work out there for a few hours on some of the, cold, you know, colder days in the winter. So, you know, a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there. So I don't usually take on anything big in the winter. Um, usually I'm open from May to October and um, I, uh, I'm picky with what I do. If somebody comes to me for a railing, I usually won't do it because I did a lot of railings and I'm over railings. <laughs> <laughs> Prefer out for the railing. Got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I like, I like when people come to me with an idea. That's, that's what I want. I want, they, they come to me and they say, so I have this idea and it's hard to explain. That's exactly the first sentence I want to hear. <laughs> So if you're thinking that in your head right now, there's a person for you. There you yeah. go. <laughs> because essentially they don't know how it will come to life, but they know they have an idea of what they want, but they don't know how it gets from A to B. Right. And that's where I come in and, you know, I can say, okay, well, we can do this, this, and this. And it depends on, you know, what it is because now I have 
broadened, you know, my horizons on what I'm doing. So like, say I make a, a decor item for your backyard. Um, I used to paint things, which I still do. Um, uh, but like now, if it was say an animal or something with a face, you know, and you wanted it to look more like a face, I could, you know, print out a vinyl of eyes, you know, and a mouth and whatever to make it more in the vision of people, what people want. So, you know, like I add things from everything, you know, sometimes it's just pure metal. Sometimes it's not like I I've done things where it's metal and like, I'll put a uh, plastic backing on it because I don't want it to like scratch something or uh, make it easier for somebody to hang if there was something behind it to hook it onto, you know. So you're doing the art component and the practical, like, and how do you actually live with this? Like, how do you mm -hmm. exist it with it? And so you're doing as well, like graphic work and um, and building sometimes up. Sometimes I art. sometimes I draw things out on a piece of paper. Sometimes I draw them out on a computer, depending on what it is, you know. Uh, if it's super boxy, then I, computer's a lot easier, <laughs> but sometimes like I just draw things out on paper too, to, uh, just give people an idea of what is in my head after they've explained what they want to make sure that we're seeing the same things. Yeah. You know, so I have, I have a question. So was art and creativity something that you felt like was that a thread throughout your life? Did you feel like you were a creative person when you were younger? No, I don't. Okay. I don't remember a lot of my childhood. Part of my condition is actually like, um, well, trauma in, in a broad scope of it. Trauma creates memory loss. That's super, super common. Right. So um, I don't remember a lot of my life before I was like 17. Mm um bits and pieces here and there but like not very much at all um so it's hard for me to say what i did when i was a kid because i don't right. remember but um like when i as a young adult and a, you know adult i felt very creative i also felt very supported being creative because my grandparents are super creative too like my grandmother is an artist um she paints uh, paintings. Uh, she started out, they had a business, they sold the business now, they're like retired and everything, but um, their business was painting animals on stone at like one of a kind shows. They would set up a booth and either, you know, you could take or they could take orders for painting those animals on stone, or they also had miniatures, uh, little pebbles that they had where they took a picture actually I think she painted the picture and they replicated it and then they would cut it out and they would paste it onto the pebble and then they would lacquer over it so that it wouldn't come off right and and that would be there in their booth so if people walked by they'd be like oh I have a Yorkie it looks just like this Yorkie <laughs> and they would buy it right right and so would you for, would you say that they and what they did um was part of you feeling like you had permission, yeah. like societal permission to be like, yeah, okay, I have this skill and I'm air quoting here. Yes, of course, it's a fantastic skill, but it, it can be used in so many ways. But the way that you chose 
um, is not the path, not everybody's thinking along that line. And with you exploring creativity sort of through your adult years, um, what impact would you say that your willingness to follow that path has had on your life? Like your willingness to be like, yeah, I'm allowed to be creative. I'm allowed to create a business, even though the skill and the industry is like this, I'm doing it this way. So would you say that your, your willingness to be creative, um, like what role did that play in your decision-making, I guess? Um, I think it was, I, I can almost, I think, feel like I could pinpoint a turning point in that when I was exiting the SEB program and I wasn't making enough money monthly to justify keeping the shop rental that I was in. Mm. And I have a garage at home, be it very small compared to the shop that I had. Um, but I decided instead of going into possible debt, I would bring, you know, in, in to pay rent and stuff there if I wasn't making, you know, if I didn't make enough that month, you know. So I thought, okay, well, what if I bring it home? So I did. I brought everything home. I moved my shop into my garage and I started working from there, which is why, you know, like I'm not open all year anymore and stuff right. like that. Um, and that was kind of the turning point where I was, I had to kind of reevaluate what I was doing with my life because I didn't have that income, a guaranteed income that the SEB program was providing me. Um, so I needed to find a job, hmm. but I still wanted to work my business. So uh, I found, you know, a job that allowed me the time to do that. So I work a part-time job and I work for myself on the other time, right? Right. So I know that that's not the only two things that you do. You also are a live stream gamer. So tell me about how that passion unfolded and how, um, because I was not as familiar, I'm very familiar that it existed, um, but not as familiar with how to make it work and how it could become a business. And so that I know is a, it's a joy for you and that you've given yourself this opportunity to, yes, you're doing the welding at six months of the year. And then the part-time job is giving you some stability, which, you know, is valuable. Um, how did you stumble upon the gaming and then turn it into a bit of a third lifeline, if you will? We can thank COVID for that. <laughs> <laughs> not so sure many, how so many, many gifts people, from COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how many people can genuinely thank COVID. But <laughs> um, it it started because we were stuck at home, and last year, last March or whatever, we were stuck at home looking for ways to connect with our friends without actually seeing them. <laughs> right. Um, I started out doing weekly call or daily. I think it was daily calls. I would call, I made a, a voucher myself to video or even just a regular phone call to one person every day. So smart. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm a super social person. <laughs> I always have been. So I, 
I needed that social aspect. <laughs> um, I was off work. Uh, like my job was not being done at all. So I couldn't work and there was nothing to do, but be at home because everything was in lockdown and everything. Um, one of the things that me and my friends have enjoyed in the past was playing games together. And, um, we have these party games that are on available on console, but I believe you can get them on PC as well, but I have them on my consoles. And it's a, a pack of mini games that we would play. And people basically we'd have, they're called Jackbox party packs. We'd have what we'd call Jackbox, Jackbox nights. So people would all come over <clears throat> and, you know, uh, it supports up to, most games are up to like eight people. Um, plus you can have audience members as well, play the game, not fully, but play the game still. So sometimes if there's too many people, we would take turns or whatever, but yeah, it would, support a lot of people generally and it only uses your phone to play the game you just go to a website and then you type in the code and then you answer the questions on your phone some of them are trivia some of them are you know like there's all sorts of different type of games like i said there's a bunch of mini games inside each pack and this is what we would do you know normally before covid have friends over and this would be one of the things we would do is play these games well we couldn't do that. That was literally something we just couldn't do anymore. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is something I think I can do online and, and people can watch it and we can still all play the game together. <laughs> Smart, you know, yeah. and they don't have to buy it or anything, you know, like I've already purchased the game. So like nobody has to buy anything. It literally all I have to do is figure out how to make them see my screen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it started. Um, so I started doing that every Sunday evening, uh, on, on Mixer, which is a platform that is gone now, but, um, so we would stream that it, the Mixer was, I think owned by Microsoft or something. So they were integrated into the Xbox console that I had. So you could directly stream straight from the console. You didn't need anything. Literally, all oh. you needed was an internet connection. Like you didn't need a computer. You didn't need, you know, a camera. You could do, you know, you could just stream that. And that's what I started out doing. And then I got a camera and I was like, okay. And then I got a computer. And then I started stream using the computer to stream through the computer because then I can do the camera thing. Um because that's what other people were doing. I saw other people doing it and I was like, okay, well, you know, if I, then people can see me. Um, and then I could also, you know, do like a zoom thing and have other people if they, if they wanted to be seen on the screen as well. Um, and we started playing that game and it was great. Uh, I'm an avid gamer already. I play all sorts of other games, a lot, mostly call of duty. I've been playing call of duty for a very long time, like since the first one. Um, they're right behind me here. You can see this pile of games. That's all Call of Duty games. That's a very big pile for those of us, for those of you that are listening. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, every single Call of Duty game made for every single Xbox ever. Awesome. So I, I played, I was already an avid gamer and it was natural for me to switch from streaming the Jackbox games to streaming the other games that I would play because eventually as lockdowns lifted, people were less interested in playing the games anymore. You know, like it wasn't, 
at first, like I said, it was every Sunday, everybody was joining in. It was great. And then it wore off, you know? So then I started just streaming the games that I was already playing and that's where that bloomed. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that world. <laughs> I, again, was aware, but not as familiar. So the premise, if I have this correct, is that you're playing the games and other people get to watch. So it's kind of like watching a show, but it's live and it's you doing what you're doing. So for people who are also interested in that game, seeing how you do what you do and, and, and with that live stream component, they get to hear you and interact with you. Um, and and it's a bazillion people doing this all over the world. I'm very familiar with that. So um, you got into it, you just started streaming your games and then how did that unfold for you? Like people started watching, there's audience, there's, you know, you're building a, a network, a virtual network of, of people. Yeah. Um, so uh, what was the first thing you said? Um, I was, I'm interested in, in that world in particular. So, I mean, I understand the premise is video games okay, that people are watching. Right. So I understood, I was the same way where I understood that that existed, but I was not one to watch. Like I always thought it was funny people watching other people play games. I was like, why, why, why don't you just go play the game yourself? Like, right. I, I don't get it. Um, I never get it. I actually still don't get it. I still don't understand why people watch other people play games. I don't understand that, but um, I'm doing it. And, you know, people watch me mostly the people I know, they're my friends. They're not nothing special. It's not, I don't have a, a million viewers or anything. Like I have like five viewers, <laughs> you know, like it's not, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me to be able to connect with them, you know? Mm. Yes. And, you know, it's nice to be able to play games. And like, normally I have friends like in my headset, you know, that we're playing the game together, but some people aren't, don't have that game or aren't playing the game, but they still like to watch and interact and chat while we're playing. So it's like now, instead of the only the four people who I'm playing the game with, now I'm also almost playing with like, you know, 10 people. Right. Because there's these people that I'm playing with in my headset that I'm actually chatting with and what have you. And then there's the people who are just watching us play this game. So it makes for a bigger social feeling. And that's, like I said, I crave the socialness of it because I, I'm a super social person. I've always been that way. Um, when, even when I was younger, I remember going to like scout camps, also in scouting, by the way, <laughs> um, I'd go to scout camps and at the end of the weekend, I would be the one that goes around to all the people that we met all weekend and get all their contact information. And back then it was, you know, what's your email address? Yeah. <laughs> and you'd write down their email address and then you would email them and say, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> remember me? Yeah. Um, what a great opportunity for someone. And I don't want to say you're an extrovert, but someone who craves that social interaction and and especially at a time in our lives where that obviously was a problem, like you yes. couldn't just go and get what you needed. Yes. And I know many people in similar situations who are like, like needing that outlet. Um, a friend of mine, she would do grocery shopping for everybody. So that number one, she would like everybody in her family, she did all their groceries so that she could get out of her house and that she can go and talk to them and that she could interact with other people, right? It was the, the bare minimum of how to make something work instead of being sort of feeling like you, you can't reach out to people. Yeah. Um, 
what a great opportunity for you. And I'm thinking from a business standpoint, you know, there's so many traditional, and we had talked about this before, but so many traditional like networking, this is how you do it. Um, and it can get, it, it can get really involved. It can get, um, you know, it can be super sort of feeling like a shallow experience, but what a great opportunity that you've created of um, connect, staying connected with your people, reaching out and sort of meeting new people. And I think you had mentioned to me that even through your connections through the gaming world, your people are looking for welding work and they're looking for, um, you know, tapping into that other part of what you do. So really it's sort of become this umbrella. It isn't like I do the gaming and that's this thing over here and I do this yeah. over here um, that you're No, using. they kind of connect. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I gained like some customers, people, you know, didn't know what I did for a living essentially. Right. Right. So now they know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, you know, some, some of the stuff that I can do, like I got some, like I got a, a you know, a vinyl cutter so that I could add to my metal arc, but it also opens up a whole new door of other things that I could do. Right. So, you know, uh, if somebody asked me to do them, okay, you're going to give me money <laughs> to do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it works out to be. And so a lot of these people are, some of these people are like me who are streaming video game stuff and they're creating a brand for themselves. And um, I'm doing, you know, their merchandise and stuff like that. She just showed a really cool water bottle. Just to that. <laughs> It's actually a tumbler. It's a double walled steel tumbler. Nice. Um, yeah. So like, I've been able to do like stickers for them. I can do apparel for them. I'm, you know, putting their brand on stuff, <laughs> you it know, is, it is so important like that path that you took and you're able to sort of find your way. I don't want to say diversify, but really you're like, I was interested in this and I kind of got this stuff and here I am like, you know, five years ago, if, if we had said, okay, this is where you're going to be. And this is what you're going to be doing. We're like, what are you talking about? I don't know how to do yeah, that stuff. Right. And definitely. so it's really a testament to how powerful it can be to just sort of be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like it may not, I have no idea if it's going to be the money maker of the universe. It's going to give me absolutely not everything always, that I need. Not always about money. Right. Right. And so you were able, you know, creating a business that be, be due to its location, it's has some six months out of the year, but then knowing like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent committed to that and I will figure out the rest of the shit. And when I do that, Oh, this other door opened up and COVID. Okay. Whatever. But then a, an opportunity to stay connected to the people that matter to you then turned into something else. And now you're, you create merch lines for people. Like, I just think that that is brilliant. And it really is, it, it highlights um, how to truly go from hot mess to awesomeness. And, and so I'm, I'm so grateful that you're in my world and you literally live down the street from me, which is <laughs> like when we met online, no idea. I'm like, Oh, look at that. You're like right there. Um, so there's actually another girl I met through that group that lives in town too. <laughs> small world, small world. Yeah. So I, I apologize if you can hear that. It's, people <laughs> it's are okay. calling, calling my children on multiple devices. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try to delete some of that. I'm going to delete this part that I'm saying right now. Anyway, um, so 
Sarah, your life has taken a number of twists and turns. And um, what, I, what I've heard is that you were kept showing up, right? You kept like, yes, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to figure this out. Kid, twins, okay, going to figure this out. Get in the high school <laughs> diploma, right? And you kept moving forward. And here you are at a place still on the journey, as we all are. Um, what, is, what is something that you would want the listeners to take away from your story today? Um, I would like, I would definitely like to tell people that if you're thinking about doing something and you're worried about the how or the logistics, just do it. Because, mm. you know, like if, if you, if you think it's going to make you happy, then do it because the rest will work itself out. It always does. Um, you know, I didn't just stumble on what I'm doing and just like, boom, okay, this is what I'm doing now. No, it was a learning process that took like 10 years, <laughs> you know, and even, and, and this isn't my end journey either. Right. Like, I, I don't know where I'm going to be next year. Uh, I'm hoping to like move, like we talked about before. And, you know, that will change a lot of things for me because I'm hoping, you know, that I will eventually be able to have my shop for 12 months out of the year, you know, instead of like six months. Um, it, it works out for me well now because, you know, like even when that's closed, I can still do the other things with, you know, the, either the streaming or making the merch and things like that, you know, on the off months. So it works out for me now, but yeah, of course the dream is always to, you know, expand and get bigger and be able to, you know, even provide jobs in our community. That would be cool one day, you know, but yeah, the, the biggest thing is to, like, I created a part, I had a part-time job, so I knew I had that stable income and to give me the time to do what I wanted to do. So don't be afraid to go for it and give it your all and don't kill yourself over it though. You know, like I, I've definitely overworked myself before and I regret it uh, as much as, I, c I can't even say that, you know, I'm better off because I overworked myself because I'm really not, you, you wear yourself out. So yeah, just, just work hard, but don't work too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you said, you know, Burnout. It, yes, absolutely. And it, things do have a way of working out. You just have to give it time to, to be able to see that. Mm -hmm. Right. So in and the moment, no sometimes it's rush. like, yeah, no and, need to and, rush. You got it. You're right on it. Like 100% what I'm saying. I, I sometimes have a hard time portraying, trying to, you know, say what I want, but you completely understand what I'm saying. So absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being with me today and for sharing your story and walking us through that journey. Um, and so that we got to learn a little bit about how you are saying yes to you and how you're choosing to live your life on your own terms. It's absolutely fucking brilliant and inspiring. Thank you so much, Cyrix, for being here today. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.